Well, hello, friends. Welcome to the Bishop and Moose. We're glad to be with you uh, this evening and share some words of encouragement. That's what this is all about, going to the Scripture, the Word of God that never changes, and finding some unchanging truth that will change our lives today. I am joined by the Moose. Moose himself here from MooseMinistriesInc.com. You can go and uh, learn about their ministry. Also, you can write me at bclingon at trophylakes.org as an email address to, to uh, uh, let me hear from you about any questions, any encouragement, uh, anything I can do to pray for you. I'd love, love to ha be able to do that. Well, people know where my nickname comes from because of my last name, but as, as from the title, as you can tell, it's Bishop and Moose. So Pastor Barry's yeah. nickname is also Bishop. Yes. So as you can see, he has a longstanding history, which precedes him as well. And we are so happy to be here with you today, so excited to get into the Word of God and really encourage you in truth. Uh, we really want to get in today and talk about courage and how in the world do we find the courage that God gives us. I think it's one of the most important things to talk about. Uh, there's so many issues in these days that we're living in. They're causing us to be more focused on uh, these fundamentals of our faith and living out our faith. And one of these issues is dealing with this issue of courage in our life, having the courage to do what God has called us to do, even when it's not popular, all of those things, learning to express it that way. Uh, there's so many stories of courage in the Bible, but one that... I always love to look at is the one that uh, comes from David. Uh, David's just uh, a great character. The David stories in the Bible uh, are just overwhelmingly good and encouraging uh, for what all he went through. And I want to talk about a particular experience that he had. It's found in uh, 1 Samuel 30 and verse 6, where it says there in the midst of a real difficult time, it said, David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. And that is that is a very very powerful uh, uh, passage that speaks to our heart about what happens when there's no one to encourage us. By the way, encourage, courage being poured into us. Uh, where does that encouragement come from? Most of the time it comes from friends or it comes from reading the Bible and God speaking to our heart. Uh, uh, you know, it can come a lot of different ways. But what happens when there none of those? Uh, ways are available, and you have to encourage yourself, and that's what David did. Uh, back up just a little bit here and remind ourselves, we all know the stories of David, but David's a, a young boy. He's the runt of the litter, obviously, in oh, yeah. his family, because when the prophet shows up at their house in Bethlehem and said, God has said, one of your sons is going to be ruler over Israel, line them up, and I'm going to find which one the anointing oil goes to. And his father didn't even care to put him in the lineup. That's pretty bad. You know, it obviously shows a whole lot of how David was viewed. He's out in the field. They didn't even bother to bring him in, but he lined up all of his other uh, kids, all of his sons. And, you know, it's really beautiful picture. Samuel goes down and he says, I know God told me it was one of your sons, but I'm not feeling this anointing oil going towards any of them. And he said, well, I do have this one other son. And they finally bring David in, and David is anointing. By the way, just a little thought there, no one's going to steal the anointing that is for you uh, because it doesn't work on others. The one that's for you is for you and will be for you. So, so you know, David is anointing, and he's told that he's going to be the future king of Israel. But he goes right back out in the field and uh, begins to work, and uh, things didn't change. But it did begin a 13-year process, a minimum of 13 years. We know 10 years he was running in the 
uh, in the uh, wilderness from the then King Saul. And all of those stories are the stories where we learn about David, uh, the him going up against Goliath and, and him assembling a men together in the wilderness uh, to uh, be able to uh, you know grow together and become the great leaders in Israel. Uh, just great stories that happen those 10 years, but great challenging stories, difficulty after difficulty, death facing them in the, uh, at every turn, and God giving deliverance, but they're having to live day to day just about during that time. But God is proving him and preparing him to become what would be the greatest uh, ruler in Israel's history uh, that King David was. So it's a, it's a powerful, uh, powerful story. I, I thought about this, and I wrote this down a long time ago, that David rejected was rejected by his father. He was rejected by his brothers. He's going to be rejected by his king, whom he went to serve, Saul. But Saul got jealous because his popularity was greater, and so he's rejected by his king, he even, and this is what we're going to talk about in a minute, rejected by those whom he delivered oh, and yeah. his own men that he'd poured his life into. They even rejected him at a point. Tough time in the wilderness. Brother, I mean, it's such a deep study. I mean, you could spend probably a year or more talking about David. I don't know about you, but King David was one of my heroes growing up. I absolutely love to read about him, love to read anything he wrote. I just dug in and really just soaked myself in David, and I even asked God as a kid to say, God, give me the heart of David. And go ahead. one of the things that sticks out, you know, louder than words to me with King David is the fact that every time you turn around, he's a man that seeks after God. Mm -hmm. So whenever he first got anointed, you know that he already was spending time with the Lord out Mm -hmm. there with the sheep. But at that moment, he was marked. And it was almost like a, a singling out point of his mm-hmm. life. It's kind of like when a young preacher or a young minister or somebody else has the pastor say, you know, I feel an unction from the Lord. I feel like yes. there's something on your life. God's got something for yes. you. Or it could even be the Lord's already anointed you prophetically and you have a prophetic gifting and God gives you a word of knowledge to yourself and you know that you're called into ministry. And when he does that and he gives you a glimpse into where you're going, He marks you. It's like he puts that mark on your forehead. And every time you see yourself in the mirror, every time you're thinking about where you're going in the future, there's like this, it's almost like if you're looking through a stained glass window, you Mm. never can see the world the same again because it's always tainted by the mark that he placed on you. Not tainted in a bad way, but it's left such an impression you can never see things the same. You know, I, I think as you say that, I think that's where we, we talk about that anointing that came yep. upon him, uh, even as a, uh, a young man there. Uh, that anointing didn't lead to some huge, you know, breakthrough immediately. That's right. Uh, there, like I said, 13 years. And, and so, you know, sometimes people, uh, you know, get conditioned. The culture we live in and the Western world or America in particular, we want it quick, cheap, and fast. Uh, everything. We want fast food. We want everything fast and quick, and we don't want to pay a lot for it. Well, the kingdom of God does not operate that way, as we learn with David and, and throughout all the others, including ourselves these days. Uh, I always say there, there may be a short shortcut you can find to McDonald's, but there's no shortcuts to maturity in God's kingdom. He's going right. to take us through things. It makes me think of a, a funny time uh, 
uh, Amy and I were at a conference at uh, Abba's house, uh, a church that we both came out of, and uh, we were there, and Jensen Franklin was preaching, and, you know, Jensen Franklin's a great, great preacher and great, bringing a great word, but he was bringing a word about, you know, a fresh anointing, and uh, he started, you know, whipping the crowd up in the way he only, Jensen, can do with the power of the Holy Spirit in his life, and he said, he said, how many of you want this anointing? And all these people are on their feet yelling, and me and Amy kind of looked at each other, my wife, Amy, and we like, let's hide under the pew. We can't take any more mourning because we had more anointing because we'd gone through so much difficulty uh, that we knew that anytime you take a step up with God, there's a price to be paid. And David learned that. He learned that after that. He didn't seek that anointing. He was out in the field. He gets called in. Boom. You're anointed to be. This is the word over your life. This is the anointing for you. You're going to be king over all of Israel. You're going to be a mighty one. That leads. Well, boom. You know, that's given to him. Then he goes through this process of learning. So the anointing always has it's a challenge on us when you find that God has truly anointed you and he anoints all of his his children for their assignment know that there's a preparation stage in that and that preparation stage requires courage Uh, when you read the stories in in, uh, Samuel about uh, David every story is courage. I mean, look where it began after he left the field one day to take some lunch to his brothers on the battlefield, and he sees the biggest man, this giant out there, and everybody's afraid of him, and he's not afraid. He's got courage. Why does he have courage? Because he's seen God do things in the past when he was alone, uh, a bear or a lion that he had to kill to protect his sheep. And now he said, well, who is this guy? And I love what it says in the Bible. It says, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he thinks he can defy the living God? And he goes out and brings him down. And that begins the process of the people looking to David uh, as a a hero. I want to you know, fast forward in that a little bit, though. When he comes in our passage in, in chapter 30, and he gets there, this is something unique that happens. Now, he things have just been difficult for 10 years of running in the wilderness from Saul who's trying to kill him. And all these stories, are, but then it gets the worst. The, the men that he had developed around him, they had their wives and their children and all their stuff, and they camped at a place called Ziglag. Well, the men all got together to go out on a raid. That's what they would do. They'd leave all the women and children there, all their stuff. They'd go out and have some military military exploit, and they'd come back. Well, they came back. When they got back, oh, my goodness, no wives or children, and the camps turned upside down. That's the right. enemy came in and destroyed and took everything from them, even the wives uh, you know, the men and the children, all of that. And it's so bad that the Bible says mm-hmm. that David's own men uh, thought of stoning him. Because he had led them out on this on this military exploit, and in the process, they've lost everything. Now, like I said a minute ago, rejected by his dad, rejected by his brothers, rejected by his king. But the hardest rejection is when those you poured your heart and life into reject you. So at this point, response is everything. Everything. So I always like to say it this way. Your, your worst moment in life is an opportunity for your best moment. Always. It's so hard to do this so many times, and I'll be very honest that in some of my difficult moments, I haven't responded well initially. Uh, I got around to responding well, but it's very hard to do it. But when the bottom falls out, courage to respond uh, correctly in that moment. So David's worst moment becomes his best moment when he chooses not to cry out and ask, tell God how horrible God, when you've led me here and look what's happened, and, and complain and murmur and gripe, 
but he nevertheless reaches out to God and encourages himself and the Lord has God. Now that takes courage to get courage Come on. to make a uh, to make a decision in your life to to reach out, you know, in in that very very difficult moment. Pastor, you know, this really reminds me of how I know you've known people, I've known people, we've both gone through things, but any minister that the Lord's calling out that has anything that he's yes. doing through them, mm-hmm. not that the person has planned, but God yes. has planned. Mm-hmm. There's always been something that that person's had to go through in their private life that they have not shared with anybody, but they've had to show themselves like David, one that would seek after yes. him and not after the situation, that they would have to die to themselves and give up a little more and yield more to the Lord. And some people say, well, why don't you share that thing with me? Why don't you tell me all those things? Well, that would be no different than being one of the Pharisees and say, I'm fasting today, yes. and I am sowing my seed <laughs> so into the good. offering plate. Look at me and look who I am. See, that's not what the Lord wants. The Lord wants for you and me to be humble before him and for him to lift our heads up. If we proclaim the things that we've been through and we shout it from the mountaintops as if it's a spectacle before everyone before us, then we're trying to gain attention for ourselves. If it's not bringing glory and honor to God, there's not a reason to mention it to anyone else in the world. God knew what each of us have gone through, and he knows what we've been through and where we're going. Exactly. So... When we go through those things, you, me, Pastor Barry, any Mm -hmm. minister, it's like Pastor Barry said, there's a price that has to be paid for a greater anointing. And a lot of people, when they go and say, hey, Pastor Barry, can you pray for me for the all the Mm -hmm. anointing that you've got? Because I want every drop. They don't realize there's a price that has to be paid to get to where you've been. And that if you ask, it's kind of like if you say, Holy Spirit, give me greater patience. Well, if you say, God, give me greater patience, wait for the trial because it's coming. Guess what? He's going to say, John or Jill, yeah. whoever you are, he's going to say, you know what? You ask for patience. I have the perfect person to put in your life that's going to put you through a situation that you're going to have to exercise patience to get through it. So mm-hmm. be careful what you ask for. He'll grant you your wishes, but he'll bring you stronger through the other side if you simply press into him. That is that is a word there. That that really encapsulates this. So just many of these experiences we have, we don't we we, we can't share them. I, I have found that when I try to share a moment like that, I can see it in the eyes of the person I'm sharing with. Sometimes they don't grasp the significance of what took place in my life. It's not just me trying to share it to get them to look favorably on me. Sometimes I want to try to emphasize it, but they still don't. And, and it, it it really kind of brings you back to realizing this is something between me and God. That's, right. That's what David, uh, with him, if it had not been written in Scripture, what what happened, that he went off and encouraged himself in the Lord his God. He started praising God. He started worshiping God, even in that difficult moment, and the victory, you know, came uh, as, as a result of that. I, I want to... Um, I want to look at the scripture there for a moment and see some of the things he did specifically that'll help you learn how to choose courage, you know, in those moments as well. Well, going right off of what you said just before you get into that, people forget a lot of these things are situational. Mm-hmm. You know, you and I may face one situation that's exactly the same, but it will not affect each of us exactly the same because we've not been through the same life story. Exactly. Because of that, we will have a different response and a different emotional reaction. And God knows that. 
It's kind of like if he gives each of us a dream to tell us something that's coming in the future. He knows my life experiences, what I've currently been going through, and he knows what Pastor Barry's life experiences have been and what he's currently going through. So he's not going to use the same dream language with each of us. He's going to use a different way to communicate to each one of us. In the same way, each trial cannot be judged one person to another because every person has a different experience and will react differently to the experience that they're walking through. Absolutely. Absolutely. That That is a powerful point to understand. And I think that that's why when we get into that and make those decisions and responding to that, it, it you know, it can have the uniformity of it's a, it's a form of courage. For some people, it's more courage than, than others. I, I say this often when I'm in the pulpit of the church preaching uh, to a group of people. I'll say uh, to them, you know, some people today, courage means this. And then I say to some people, courage is the fact that you got out of bed this morning. You know, there are people that are ill or there are people that are going through some very difficult things. And for them just to get up and get moving. So it is not, you know, it, it's, it falls on different people in different way. But it comes back to whether it's just getting out of bed or whether it is, uh, uh, you know, making some really big decisions uh, that are going to affect a lot of people, it still is courage. And, and we right. have to learn how to do that. There's a word in that, in that verse of Scripture where it says, David strengthened himself in the Lord's God. It's a reflexive thing, a verb in the sense that it means that uh, he did it himself. He chose to make this decision and do this. The, the Hebrew word is, you know, kazak. It, it, it just means to fasten, to seize upon, and it can be translated even to be courageous in that moment. I love that word is so full of great meaning, the original Hebrew word uh, that is there that uh, Michelle Cohen, uh, my associate here at the church, wrote a great book, Arise. If you haven't read that book, you need to read it. But in her book, she talks about it, and she says that word is a word with an attitude. I love how she said that. It's a word with an attitude. He, it's, it's not, not violent in the sense of, uh, of hurting anyone, but it's, it's a moving decision to lay hold of something, to fasten upon it. And that's the decision you have to make when you're in those, those very difficult moments. So, and you're talking about courage. Your opportunity is going to encourage is, is going to come, your opportunity to demonstrate courage is going to happen when you face a crisis, when you face a moment. Uh, personally, uh, you know, professionally, a- anyway, you face that moment where decisions have to be made. How am I going to respond to this? That's where that decision of Kazak, uh, uh, he, he strengthened, he fastened, he chose to be uh, courageous in, in what he was uh, was doing. So, um, but also, you know, a lot along that, you know, your, your response matters. Uh, I know uh, I'm a Scotch-Irish, East Tennessean at heart, and uh, we, we fight and talk about it later, you know. And so I got this, you know, fire in me a lot of times that wants to just get angry. And you have to always remember in that response, because that anger that comes with it's anger towards yourself or anger towards someone else that's causing something in your life or either anger to God uh, for what's happening. The wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's what James in the New Testament told us, and it's so true. So somehow or another, you've got to overcome this idea to blame and this idea to just erupt and be angry. You have to find that. And that's where that choice is made and the response that's made, uh, you know, in it to do that. And there's one other very powerful thing we can talk about, your assignment. And you think about it, your response, you know, you're, you're choosing to make that response of courage, but also your assignment. Now, what I mean by that, I believe all of God's children 
have an assignment, have a destiny, oh, yeah. have a purpose, you know, whatever we want to say. Uh, Rick Warren wrote a great book years ago, A Purpose Driven Life, and one of the best-selling books of all time. God has blessed him greatly uh, in writing that. And it taught us what the Bible teaches about our purpose, and it's so good it never changes. Uh, worship, fellowship, stewardship, all of those are very clear for all of us. But what I'm talking about is your unique purpose, what God brought you into the earth to accomplish. And so when you find that, when you know what God's called you to do, then you're able to express courage in difficult moments. And think about David for a moment. He goes back to that anointing that took place. And what was the anointing? You're going to be king over Israel. So every little difficulty in the wilderness has to be judged in light of that assignment and that anointing that has been placed upon him. So when I understand and I'm fully walking in uh, uh, my assignment and the anointing that comes to do that, then when the difficulties come, there needs to be some courage because, hey, wait, this isn't it. This is, God didn't destine me to fail. God didn't destine me for this. You know, so therefore, this has to be part of the process. Now, if you don't know that, the enemy can easily intimidate you if you do not know your assignment. If you're not firm in knowing what God has you here for and what you're, you're, you're supposed to be doing. You know what I hear when you say that? Identity. Yes. Oh, knowing yes. your proper yes. identity. Because exactly. if you don't know your proper identity, number one, it's kind of like if you walk up to the passport agent and he says, passport, please. Mm-hmm. If you don't know your identity and you look nervous, they're going to question exactly. if you really are who you're supposed to be. Secondly, if you don't know your identity and you go to face the enemy and someone offers you their armor and their sword and it's untried like David had offered to him, mm-hmm. you're going to try to use someone else's tools to do something that you're called to do. We're not supposed to use tools that are meant for someone else. We're supposed to use the tools that were meant for us. That's why David took off the armor and said, this is untried. I cannot use it. And Saul looked at him like, you're a fool, dude. You know, you're going to go out there and face a giant that's like taller than any of us. And you're a a young man and you're going to go defeat this man. And David's like, this will not work. I have faced a lion. I have faced a bear. And God delivered me. Yes. And so he knew with the tools God had given him, he could have the victory. So you and I have to stop looking to everyone else's abilities and what they do and start identifying ourselves as who he's called us to be, who he's already said you are, and align yourself yes. with his word. Yes. Once you do that, things mm-hmm. will fall into place. That is, in, 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 that, that's, that's the assignment. And David knew it. That's why he could encourage himself and the Lord his God. I was thinking of uh, Paul. Uh, uh, you know, and how, you know, he's going to Rome. And uh, oh, yes. like you said, you know, and, and he, he's he's going to Rome. God said, you're going to Rome. You're going to testify of me in Rome. They have a shipwreck, terrible shipwreck. And those days meant everyone will die. And everyone thought they were going to die. But you know what? Paul spoke up and said, no, I'm not dying because I'm going to Rome. God's told me I'm going to Rome. So again, assignment prevails in providing a foundation for an expression of courage uh, in your life. I find something else to be true uh, as well, too, that there will be opportunities where you need to, um, one of my friends used to call it when he would witness to people, he said, sometimes I do it just to keep my courage up. In other words, sometimes he's feeling led to say something, but it's awkward. It's kind of a little weird situation, but they do it anyway just to keep that level of courage that, am I willing to say something? Am I willing to step into that awkward situation? You know, I, I remember in, in this church years ago, 
uh, we had a prayer meeting as we still do on Monday night and I was at prayer meeting on Monday night and I, we were, you know, struggling a little bit, meeting some needs financially. And I was just saying, Lord, really, I don't even want to spend time praying about financial needs. I want to be praying for lost people, praying for the nations, all of that. This was years and years ago. And so the Lord told me very clearly, I mean, right there, sitting there in that prayer meeting, that what I was to do Sunday in church, and I was to tell people to get their checkbooks out, somebody was going to write a six-figure check, and the faucet was going to turn on their lives and on others as a result of their obedience. Well, as the week went on, the devil tried everywhere in the world to talk me out <laughs> of doing that, because that's not me. Anybody knows me, I'm very weak on challenging people in the area of finances. I mean, that's just something I don't, I'm not real good at. I don't talk about it a lot, and I certainly don't like some of the of stuff that's out there today that some preachers do that are more of tools of the world rather than they are, you know, a a motivation from God. But anyway, we get all the way down to that, that Sunday morning. I look out, it's kind of a low day in attendance and I'm looking around and I really don't see anybody present that could possibly write one of those checks, you know. Uh, maybe we had some that might could, and they weren't there that day. And I'm thinking, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. Well, the, we took the offering in those days at the end of the service. We get all the way to the end of the service, and we're like, I'm like, you know, to take the offering. I'm still kind of fighting the battle in the back of my head. Finally, I said, you know, you've been doing this too long. You know to obey God when he tells you to do something. Come Even on. if it sounds going to make you feel uncomfortable or whatever, just do it. So, Kirk, I stood up there to receive the offering at the end of the service, and I felt almost foolish because it was not me to say what I was saying, but I led the people through what God had told me on the previous Monday night, and I went home. We took the offering into the service, and I went home. That night, we had a Valentine banquet, and uh, I came up to the Valentine banquet, had a great time when a, a couple in our church said, could I talk to you in your office for a moment? And I went into the office, and sure enough, there was a six-figure check that was about to be written. And, and, you know, you just learn over and over, obey God, and you get, you get, you see the results. And, but it took some courage, and that was, seems like a, a silly thing. But for me, I didn't want to embarrass myself standing up saying what I felt like God told me to say. But I did it. We saw uh, a, a wonderful response on that. And listen, I just want to use that, that story just to encourage you from David's story, my story, you know, these moments that present themselves in your life are the moments when God cannot be courageous for you. You have to choose that word with an attitude, choose, fasten on, and display the courage in your life, just like David did at his worst moment. And by doing that, your worst moment can become your best moment when you display the courage in the things that God has done. I just want to encourage you in these days we live in as we talk about courage tonight. Take these things to heart. Go read the passage of Scripture in, uh, in, uh, in 1 Samuel 30 and read about David and read about his life, and, and we'll, see, uh, we'll see God do some wonderful things, I know, in your life. These days we're living in demand courage. Oh, they definitely demand courage. There's no way around that. Uh, and if any of us want to think that it doesn't, we're really fooling ourselves. That is definitely true, and uh, it's going to require more and more out of the people of God walking in a greater faith and greater courage and a greater commitment and surrender to that in our life as well. It's always good to come on these times together and just encourage you. That's what it is, encourage you by sharing these things and doing this. One thing I didn't cover that I would love to say about courage, too, is that it was really a good point. Every time you display courage, it always is contagious to others to 
to be courageous in their lives. It happened with David. His men saw what he did. They rallied behind him. And by the way, they went and found the enemy. They won a great battle and they recovered all. The Bible says they didn't lose anything. They got every bit of it back. Everything the enemy had stolen from them because they displayed the courage, they got it all back. So that's right. when you display courage, you're encouraging others around you as well. And that's what we want to do. We want to encourage you with these talks and these truths from the scripture to be strong strong and firm in these days that we're living in and they're exciting days of opportunity they're not catastrophe it's an opportunity for the church to step up and display courage and and to speak the truth into people's lives and i'm excited and full of anticipation about what god is going to do in these days ahead